Hello and welcome to episode 168 of Travel Stories from the Back Again and Gone podcast. Back to being recorded in the beautiful home office of Chateau Relaxo, Florida. And tonight we're talking about travel regrets. Thanks for listening. Hello, if you are a new listener, welcome. If you are a returning listener, welcome back. No drink local for this episode as I am recording this right around 7 a.m. on a Saturday morning, and I'm not that much of a degenerate monster. But in the words of the immortal Frank Sinatra, regrets, I've had a few, and when it comes to travel, there have been more than a few regrets. But before we head into the regrets, how about a few travel non-regrets, if non-regrets is even a word. When it comes to food experiences, I have no travel regrets on any of those. There's been Gator Tail in Macomb, Mississippi, homemade legit moonshine in Mobile, Alabama, deer sausage in Statesboro, Georgia. I don't think I have ever turned down a food experience. Not all of them I have enjoyed, but I've at least welcomed them and tried them. And I have no travel regrets with my travel gear. Thankfully, my gear has evolved over the years and kept up with my travel demands. I think the only two pieces of travel gear that I still have for the past 20 plus years of travel is a 1990 Mont Blanc pen and my leather well-worn travel wallet that holds all my travel loyalty cards. And yes, even to this day, I still carry it even though I very, very, very rarely use it. And most of that information is now stored on an app on my phone. And I also have no regrets about what my wife calls with itness. And in this case, travel with itness. And with itness is an educational system term probably made up by somebody that was completely overpaid, but it makes sense. It centers around the ability Ability to perceive needs and the accuracy and care to handle them. And I think, thankfully, that my travel with itness has allowed me to basically keep up with the times. You know, when I first started traveling, there was a physical map book from Rand McNally that became MapQuest, that became a GPS, and that became an app. So, no, I'm not the guy with a GPS still strapped to the dashboard of his car. You know, when I first started traveling, like most of us did 20 years ago, we called a travel agency that morphed into online bookings. And now most of my travel uh, reservations are done using an app on my phone. So I would have to say that my perception and my accuracy and care of my travel with itness has been intact over the few years. Now, not sure if any of these travel non-regrets are worthy of an episode, but as my idea pool runs dry, you never know. So enough about my travel non-regrets. Let's talk about some of my travel regrets. If you're in sales, at some point you'll hear, you'll be told, and hopefully you will learn, do not leave money on the table. And that's the focus of my first travel regret, AirTran Airlines. When I first started traveling, I was based out of Atlanta, Atlanta, Georgia, as in the world headquarters of Delta Airlines. So what did I do? I decided to hook my suitcase to the now defunct AirTran Airlines. However, there was a strategy, possibly not a great strategy behind my airline of choice, but at least a strategy. And here's why. 
In the year 2000, Delta-based medallion levels, and that's the level of their program that you're in, and those levels translates into more points that you can use for free flights. And of course, the hopeful pray to the travel gods upgrade. And so Delta based those levels on three factors, number of miles flown, number of dollars spent, and the number of connections. And that is how you progress throughout. And it was on a yearly calendar. So from January to December, all of those things added up. So let's deconstruct those three things just a bit. And at the time with Delta, you had to hit two of those three metrics to progress through the various levels. So number of miles flown at the time in the year 2000, I flew domestic. And what's more domestic than flying strictly in the southeastern part of the United States? This equates to a bunch of 500 mile flights because that is the minimum amount of miles that Delta will award you on a flight. Number two, the number of dollars spent. I've always been or tried to be a good steward of my company's money. Enough on that. Number three, the number of connections. This was the linchpin in the whole status level conundrum. To this day, almost every flight in Delta connects at one of their hubs. And this is true with most airlines. If you fly out of Orlando and you want to go to Newark, you will stop in Atlanta. In 2000, that counted as two connections. Round trip, four connections. So if you didn't live or fly out of a Delta hub, you could easily add to the number of connections. We were based out of a hub. We were fighting all the guys that lived in Orlando, uh, Mobile, Alabama, Jackson, Tennessee, and places like that. So during that time, many road warriors would take what we used to call medallion runs at the end of the year. And a medallion run means that you begin booking flights with as many connections as possible to help maintain your current level or hopefully achieve the next level of Delta status by the end of December. So that's the reason I flew Airtrain Airlines. At the time, their system for a free flight was really simple. It was based on the number of flights. For example, a round trip, two flights. That was it. No miles, no dollars, no connections. And all these years later, I still recall that six round trip Airtran flights netted a free round trip ticket. So I flew Airtran Airlines till right around 2004. And we're going to talk about the year 2004 in just a minute. In 2003, I got a promotion. That promotion included a new nice corner office, floor to ceiling windows with three of the four walls being windows. And as I moved into my new office, I came across a black binder clip full of Airtran boarding passes. And boarding passes were what Airtran used as currency for free flights. There was no online tracking. It was just basically you showed up with a six or seven of these uh, boarding passes and booked your free flight. That binder clip held at least 12 round trip tickets. So the lesson or the regret here is don't leave money or points on the table. Regret number two, no hotel loyalty. Again, when I first started traveling, my first four years of business travel, I booked hotels based on roughly two factors. I stayed where my coworkers were staying and still quote unquote, being the new guy, even after four years, I never really offered any input and just followed along where everybody else was staying. And number two, for some reason, I felt compelled to stay as close to the meeting site as possible. 
And those two factors will never help you build any hotel brand loyalty, which translates to hotel points that you can use for leisure travel and other stuff. I stopped doing this in the year 2004, and I promise we'll talk about 2004 here in just a minute. So why is hotel brand loyalty important? So glad you asked. If you don't establish hotel brand loyalty, you will end up with a small number of points spread across multiple hotel brands. Makes sense. You know, in my case, staying close to a partner or a meeting site really had no bearing. I wake up to this day anywhere between 6 and 6.15 in the morning, even on the weekends. So even if a meeting began at 8 a.m., it still gives me roughly 90 minutes of lead time to make it. Probably the only exception to this would be if I was staying in the Washington, D.C. area. And then probably one of the biggest reasons for hotel brand loyalty, and especially hotel location loyalty, is that the hotel staff gets to know you. This is code for an extra snack at check-in, possibly an upgrade, and most importantly, a reservation when you call them directly when the hotel's website says no vacancy. So the lesson here is to pick your hotel brand, possibly two at most, stick with those, even if you have to wake up an extra 30 minutes earlier for a meeting. Okay, time to talk about 2004. 2004 was when I had an intervention, not that type of an intervention, a travel intervention. And that intervention came in a form of a friend of the show, Chris Brown. Chris was hired and showed up at our regional office on some random Monday morning because everyone to this day starts a new job on Monday. I was told to show Chris the travel ropes and we were immediately paired up together for client visits. First, a disclaimer to this day, Chris Brown and I are great friends, even though I do not possess the Star Wars chip. And in the year 2004, if anyone thought I could show anyone the travel ropes, they were greatly mistaken. Chris understood travel, and on our first trip, Chris asked, where are we going to stay? And of course, I replied with someplace close to the account. This was followed by, what hotel chain? I replied with, one that is close to the account. And this exchange continued for the next couple of days, with my answers always being along the lines of close to the account. On Thursday of that week, Chris asked, what hotel loyalty programs do you belong to? And knowing the 2004 version of me, I probably smiled and proud, proudly proclaimed all of them. Chris quickly countered with, the person that chases two rabbits catches neither. And after I thought about it for a minute, it started to dawn on me. And to this day, Chris is still correct. The person that chases two rabbits catches neither. That evening in the hotel lobby, Chris showed me how to strategically map out my territory in relation to airport, hotels, and major interstates. And it was also that evening that Chris deemed me a Marriott guy. And why Marriott? Well, Chris was a Marriott guy, and he wasn't about to change his affiliation on my behalf, especially since I had no idea what in the hell I was doing. In addition to his shiny Marriott brag tags, and brag tags are those luggage tags that you'll see road warriors have hanging all over their backpacks. And airlines and hotels give them to you as you move through the various reward programs. Chris also had a shiny black Marriott credit card. And all I had was the typical corporate issued green American Express card. And this leads me to regret number four, 
for the first four years of travel, I used my corporate-issued Green American Express card. That same Thursday evening in that same hotel lobby, Chris asked, why do you use the corporate-issued credit card? And my answer, because they issued it to me. Chris also inquired, did they tell you to use it? And I said, no. And Chris said, then why do you use it? And I replied with, because they issued it to me. Moments later, I was on Marriott.com completing a credit card application, and I was now officially a Marriott guy, according to Equifax. So Chris, newly employed Chris, as in day four of Chris's employment, and he wasn't using and had no intention of ever using his corporate-issued credit card. Me, I don't think I took a coffee break until my third week of employment. So yes, I missed out on four years of points, points that could have been converted into travel or some sort of a tangible good. And the next regret involves those points and sometimes not actually using them. If you spend any amount of time on the travel blogosphere, you will come across post after post on how to establish value for those points. Is it better to use the points for airfare or use them for hotel stays, which credit card offers the best dollar to point conversion? It is truly paralysis by analysis. To this day, my system for cashing in points on travel isn't so sophisticated typically involves five questions. How many points does my travel account have? Will I be sad if that balance decreases? How much money do I have in my bank account? What's my current credit card payment for the month? And finally, when is that credit card payment due? After I answer those questions, I perform some sort of a chateau relaxo voodoo sorcery math and then decide to either use points or pay for it. Like I said, not very sophisticated, and this system or the answers to these questions varies month to month. Now, here is a quick Hilton travel tip. When you are booking leisure travel with Hilton and you're paying cash for the room, always look through the room offerings, and typically down towards the bottom of the list, Hilton will often offer double points for the stay. It might be an extra 15 or 20 bucks for the night, but this is a really cheap and easy way to add points to your account. If it is for a business trip, do not try to bury that room rate on some expense report. So regret number five, I am a watch guy still looking for somebody to gift me that Rolex GMT Master. But in the year 2006, Marriott's website, in addition to using points for free rooms, had a couple of pages of stuff that you could actually buy. You could spend your Marriott points on Bose headphones, Mont Blanc pins, ping golf clubs, tons of kitchen gadgets, and there was even a tag Hewer Formula One watch for right around 125,000 points. Now to most watch purists, a tag isn't what they would consider a grail watch, at least the Formula One isn't. But for someone that's 32 years old with two young kids, we just didn't have the spare cash to buy that type of a watch. And it was because of Chris and his advice to focus on hotel loyalty and stop using the company credit card that I had managed to accumulate well over 125,000 points in just a couple of years. To end the story, I did not pull the trigger on the tag. I can't remember why, I'm sure it made sense at the time. But looking back, I wish I had ordered that tag. 
And when you talk about regrets, all of us have them, at least one. And while we often correct the behavior that caused the original regret so that it doesn't happen again, there are oftentimes still lingering pieces of the original regret. And I really have no idea what the hell I was just trying to say. But one of the things is that over the past two years with COVID, there has been a big trend on focusing on experiences and not just things. And this is where travel regret number six comes in. And this is a travel regret because for years I focused on travel things or things from travel and not truly the experience. So in the words of Tidy McTidy, AKA Marie Kondo, all of those travel things do bring me joy. We've got artwork from New Orleans. We've got a beautiful hand blown glass pineapple from Williamsburg. We picked up some tobacco sticks in Kentucky that are neatly stored in our umbrella stand. And of course, I have antique liquor decanters on my bar cart that I got in Tennessee that do bring me great joy. And yes, those things do bring me joy. But however, for the first eight or nine years of business travel, I didn't really spend any time exploring the places that I was visiting. For the most part, it was travel, hotel, meeting, hotel, and then repeat. And I understood the major destinations. I think we all do. For instance, when you go to New York or New Jersey for the first time, you got to visit the city. If you're in Philly, go by and check out the Liberty Bell. And I'm here to tell you that there is still a crack in it. And of course, no visit to Atlanta is complete without stopping by the world of Coke or Centennial Park. But it took me the first eight or nine years of travel to realize that there are experiences in every single town that I visited. The Whitewater Center in Charlotte, North Carolina. There's a Grammy Museum in Cleveland, Mississippi. If you get out your checkbook, you can actually tour the AT&T Stadium in Dallas, Texas. If you're into fishing, believe it or not, the International Game Fish Association Museum or headquarters is housed in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. So how do you find these hidden gems in some of these smaller cities? Yelp and Google Maps is a great place to start with TripAdvisor being a backup plan and nothing really against TripAdvisor. I just routinely contribute and reference Yelp and Google Maps and not TripAdvisor. And the ultimate backup plan is, of course, to ask the hotel staff, possibly people at the client site, even family that you're visiting, because these folks will know the hidden gems. And then think about the things that you enjoy doing in your everyday life, visiting outlet malls, breweries, bookstores, Frisbee golf, touring presidential libraries. I'm willing to bet that you can find an experience no matter where you're visiting. And if you do, use one of those social media sites like Yelp, TripAdvisor, or Google Maps to let everybody else know about your experience. Well, that's it for my travel regrets. I'm sure I'll have a few more as the years go forward. If you want detailed show notes, links, and pictures, head over to podpage.com slash travel hyphen stories. Leave me a message on Anchor. Shoot me an email, travelfrick at gmail.com. That's travelfrick at gmail.com. As I always say, travel safe, stay safe, and thanks for listening.